Thank you. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and these guys will be glad to give you one. We'll make it hard on you today. You're going to have to go to places to memorize that table of contents. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We will start there, and then we will go to Hebrews chapter 10 as we wrap up our series. What chapter are we in in your book? Ah, we're doing six today, right? All right. We're doing six today, next week, and the following week. Now we're going to finish the book today. I'm really excited about um, what John Thomas, uh, the Lord's led him to want to do on Wednesday nights. For any reason, if you can make it, it's, I just think it's great to get some believers, get together and, and do nothing. Pray, and you won't be forced, eloquent, pray in front of people you don't want to, to come and pray together in the body of Christ, 45 here, Wednesday nights. And you can never pray too much. If you don't have anything else to pray for, here, let me give you something. Everybody got a pen? Write this down. You ready? Pray for me. Please. I need it. Look at my wife. You know I need it. I need it. That was my daughter up here. Look at her. I need it. We talked about praying for leaders a few weeks ago and how important that is. And uh, obviously, so many things we need to pray for. But if you're looking for something, pray for that. All right. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4 if you haven't. As we wrap up our series on being a church member. What does it mean to kind of summarize this? There's a lot of things that I went through this week trying to figure out exactly what God would have me say, share with you today. And, and the idea in, in chapter 6 is that this is a gift. You'll notice on your handout, Ephesians chapter 2, famous passage says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. That's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we, corporately, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's creation. We are his church. And I love the phrase that Paul uses. It's the most, his most favorite phrase, the one he used the most to describe what it means to be a Christian. He says, you are in Christ. You are in Christ. We are born again. It's not Randy doing good things so he can gain God's favor and go to heaven. It's God working in me. But what we've been sharing over the last six weeks is that it's God working in us corporately as the body of Christ that functions through this particular local body. The beauty of the church is that Jesus died for how many people? He died for all of us. Now, not everybody is born again. Not everybody enters into that relationship in Christ. Not everybody's part of the body of Christ. But Jesus shed his blood so that we might be saved. How many of you have seen the movie We Are Marshall with Matthew McConaughey? You've probably seen it just because he's in it. And it's a good movie. And it's about, obviously, a true story. And it happened early 70s. And I was like a junior in high school. And I remember it. And you remember the, the phrase they keep saying? Obviously, the title of the movie. And the point is, We Are Marshall. At the end of the movie, after they've won that game, and he runs over and he jumps up in the stands, he's going to give the football to the guy there. And the guy, he says, it's tradition here at Marshall football to a player who really helped us win the game today. And the guy's crying. He's, he loves Marshall. And he says, Coach, I didn't have anything to do. And Matthew McConaughey looks at him and says, we are Marshall. We'll take anybody. And it's a great movie, and it's a great point. And here's what I want you to I want to just read you some quotes. Here's what I want you to think. So I read you the quotes. Everything falls under this category. We are the church. We are church. I'm going to read direct quotes from the lips of God himself as he thinks about you. We are his family. We are his army. We are his bride. We are, these are direct quotes. We are 
his chosen generation. We are his holy nation. We are his own special people. We are a holy priesthood. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are a spiritual house. We are joint heirs with Christ. We are God's friend. We are ambassadors. I didn't make those up. I'm God. He wants you to understand. As we wrap this series up, the most encouraging thing I can say to you is the fact that you're born again. You enter into a relationship with the God who's real. Francis Schaeffer called him the God who's there. You enter into a relationship with him. You become part of his church. We are the body of Christ. We are his church. I'll read you one last quote. I'll quote you one last phrase. Jesus Christ said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates hell will not prevail. On the lips of Jesus on this rock, he's talking about himself. I will build my, you realize you're part of what building? Cornerstone, song we're talking about today, he writes about that we are more, quote, we are living stone in the house that, here's the beauty of it. I'm a Christian individually. What we've been talking about for six is that God takes individual and his way of doing this in the New Testament, his way of doing it is he takes individual and through local congregation, different places, he works. You have the universal church. I have some friends here today, dear friends that I love from Oregon. I love, when I'm just seeing them in the hall, I light up. Now, is Jesus in Oregon? I think so. Matter of fact, I know he is because I know them. He may not be anywhere else, but he's where they are. I love them. Universal Church. They have a local congregation there that they're part of. But here's the point. You read the New Testament. Again, as we begin to sum this up. You read through the New Testament, the book of Acts. You got the gospel story, story of Jesus' time on earth. And you go into Acts, historical book of the Testament. The book of Acts addresses by name at least 19 local churches. The New Testament epistles are written to local churches or individuals in local churches. The book of Revelation, the context of the book of Revelation is letters to local churches. It's God's way of doing what he does. Now here's the important thing to remember as we go through this. What, ha what has happened in America in particular is sometimes we get to where we worship church as opposed to Jesus. Now it's all about Jesus. But his way of working is through local church. Preach the word of God, that honor Jesus as Lord, and then say, okay, what is it I can do to help you? What is it you can do to enhance me? So that we can be the church God wants us to be at this local spot. Just like my friends in Oregon are where they are. I have friends all over this country, some in other parts of the world that I know are believers. They have local church where they are. Some of those local churches you've made possible by the money you give here that we send to them as a missionary effort. And churches are started. Donnie and our group, every year, they go out to New Mexico. We've built a church out there, literally, physically. We have built a church. Jesus honored. The word of God is being preached. We're part of that. Now, I haven't been out there in years, but we're part of it through our prayer life. We're sending literal people through money. The universal, you're born again. You become a child of God. You call me daddy. Well, here's what begins to happen, fortunately, in our culture. There are a lot of bad churches as well. Churches is where the Bible's not preached. Churches is where Jesus, people get burnt out. They have a bad experience. Some individual or some leader, there have been a lot of those churches that have not honored us. And as a result, sheep get hurt. And so they turn off the church. We'll read some quotes from some individuals. Kevin DeYoung and Jason Hilopoulos wrote a tremendous article that just came out this month. And if, if you do not take that magazine, by the way, it's worth 20, whatever it is. I think it's an incredible magazine. I, I get it. And I never, I never, never, we'll leave it alone. But you need to, uh, it's a great magazine. Listen to this quote from their article. Christians belong in a church like a fish belongs in the water. It's where they are meant to live life. God does not save people from sin without also saving them into the body of Christ. End quote. We began this series. The first thing we talked about is that we are the body. 
And each of us is very much individually shaped by God for a function in that body. You might be an ear. You might be like me, a nose. A very prominent one, but you might be a nose. But you have a function that the rest of the body needs, gifted by God. Now, as we understand the gift of God, he reaches down, he saves. I didn't earn it. I can't buy it. I can't do good works. I can't get it. I don't deserve salvation. This came, he bought it for me. By faith, I see the gift. I'm born again. Now, if the local, I serve, I work. Let's see how that works out. Ephesians 4, number one. With that in mind, first thing we need to understand, we're supposed to live a certain way. Ephesians 4, 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love. If we would just do that, bear with one another in love. Number one, live worthy of the gift. Live worthy of the gift. All those quotes I started out today using, God says about you, about us. One of my favorites, maybe my favorite, is that I'm an ambassador, the Lord, the King of Kings, that wherever I go, God says, you represent me. I am an ambassador. He says, you should, in that very same passage, you have the ministry of reconciliation, extend the word of reconciliation, people might and God. That's who we are. So we come here and we serve. We come here, we're encouraged. We come here, we worship together. We're motivated to go out all the different places that we go to extend the word of reconciliation as ambassadors, joint heirs with Christ. I love that one. The one day we will die, joint heirs with Christ means we will inherit everything he inherits. Pause and think about that for a moment. That's what awaits you. I like to tell people, what you think they knew? That's what, it's not a religion, a child, the omnipotent God universe as his child. Live worthy of it. Lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing one another. We're not going to get in all those words, because, but literally what that means is you live humbly, realizing it's not always going to be easy. There are things you have to deal with, deal with and also there are going to be people you don't, that you have a hard time with. Bear with them. You know why? They're having to bear with you too. Bear with them. Why? Goes back, we talked about the very beginning. How many bodies are there? There's one body of Christ. So my left arm's not as tracked as I'd like it. Do I cut it off? I've got some fingers that have uh, uh, osteoarthritis. For those of you who understand what osteoarthritis, it hurts. Like that knuckle right there. If my, like one of my little granddaughters come up and grab it, and I'm thinking I'd be on it. It hurts that bad. Sometimes you chop it off. No, it's part of my body. I still need that finger. I like to use my right hand. We bear with one another. Gentle. Humility. Live worthy gift and given. A gift been given is a child of God. You are in Christ. Live like it. Secondly, verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And Father of all, who is above all, through all, in you all. This is a southern version. You tell Paul was south. In you all. One. Hope you, did, hope you caught this as reading that. One, 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 one. What was he talking about? One, 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 one. How many bodies? How many lords? How many faiths? Well, we'll stop at that one for a minute. Is that not a big problem in our country right now? Don't worry. It doesn't matter what you have faith in. Just have faith in something. Listen, I can have faith in that chair. It ain't going to save me. How many faiths are there? One. How many lords are there? How many baptisms? Uh-oh. There's one baptism that matters, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm born again. I don't have that one. It doesn't matter how wet I can take me out back and hose me down. You can dump me in the river. You can do whatever you want to. If I'm not baptized the Holy Spirit, I'm just wet. That's the only one that matters. That's identification with Jesus Christ. New man's in Christ. It's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope of your calling. It's in you all. In you all. Corporately. So it's important to us then to live in unity as Christ's church, to live in unity as Christ's church. We are not going to agree on all the details. How many of you are married? Proud of it. Your hands went down. Mm, mm, mm. 
Mary and I have been married 40 years. We spent the last two weeks because we had a pipe burst in our house deciding whether we were going to stay married or not. Now we've got to pick out carpet again. I thought we did all that when we built this house in 2008. Now we've got to pick out carpet again. We've got to do hardwood again. We've got to do, and I don't have enough hair left for this. We've been married 40 years. Do we agree on every single thing? No. There are times I have to look at her and say, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. And she lets me know that that ain't going to work. And I say, what? Yes, dear. Yes, dear. You're not going to agree on all the details in the church. So focus on the important things. And you can agree to disagree on the things that are not a And move on. Because our job is to make disciples of Christ, not have a church where everything's the way I want it to be. It's like the old saying, you're looking for the perfect church. When you find it and you go there, guess what? You just ruined it for everybody else. Because you ain't perfect. The only person that's perfect is who? No, 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 not Jesus. The person wife was supposed to. So listen, we need to live worthy. Walk in unity. That we will be one to the world that they'll, when they think Christ, church, or Arlington, they'll, those will love each other. Those people are interested. And not only that, they're interested out the wall. They care us about their one. Don't agree on everything. They're one. All right, flip over to Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 14, Hebrews 10, we need to live worthy. We need to live in unity. Now there's some very specific things in Hebrews that we are told to do as we assemble together as the body of Christ. The context of Hebrews 10, 14, notice 10, 14. For by one offering, he's talking about Jesus, for by one offering, he, Jesus, has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. If there's ever a verse in the Bible that gets you excited and jumping up and down, it's this one, even though you may not understand it the way it's phrased. You understand what he's saying to you in verse 14? This is who you are, for by one offering, Jesus, that offering being himself, when he died on the cross, by that one offering, Jesus has perfected forever. Pause for a moment. Just said, how many of you are perfect? Zero. So Jesus, who is perfect, has perfected you, put you in perfect standing with God through him. How long? Temporarily? Forever. How long is forever? I like that game last night. If you're a University of Memphis fan, it's going to go on forever. Forever. The moment you die, you get to go to heaven. You're positionally declared righteous in God. When you're born again, you become all the things you read earlier. You die, you go to God's presence. You are perfected forever because Jesus made the offer. You can give God every penny you have, and you can steal every penny on planet Earth and give it to God, and it won't buy you perfection. But Jesus bought it for you. That's how you are. That's how special we are. We are his body. He's perfected forever those who are being present tense, ongoing, sanctified. He perfected us forever. We're ch children of God. In other words, how many of you have children? How long will they be your children? Unfortunately, forever. You know, you, you know yeah, I've got adult children, and I thought they were gone. Guess what? One of them was hanging out in La Quinta Inn with us last night. You can't get away from him. They're, they're your children. God says you're saved. You're mine, Randy. Good or bad, you're mine. Now, I've perfected you, but I'm also in the process of sanctifying you, setting you aside to live right now like I want to be the church. He's doing his work. He's done it. I get to go to heaven. Future tense, that's called glorification. He saved me just to perfect me forever in between sanctity. That's what he's doing in my life and your life and our life, life the church, right now. That's what he's doing. Verse 14, drop down to verse 19. 19, therefore, those great words in the Bible, therefore, in light of this, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness, holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. It's about a nine-week sermon series, which we're not doing. By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, having a high priest over the house of God. This is incredible. You, I, 
We can boldly go in the presence of God. You don't have to go through another individual. You are a priest. Every believer, priest, you go into the presence of God because you are the presence. The presence of God is in you, in us. Notice, we have a high priest over the house of God. Guess who you are? You're the house of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. On and on. We are his we are his church. So we have boldness. For example, your children want to call you. You take that phone call. They want to talk to you. You'll talk to them, won't you? But they're your children. God is your Abba Father. Call him anytime you want to. He's waiting. He's waiting. You're his child. He's got great things he wants through you, through us. All we got to do is say, Daddy, I'm, I'm willing. I'm able. Use me. We can have confidence because of the body, the blood of Jesus Christ. All right, let's look at these let us. Therefore, in light of all this, verse 22, let us draw near in assurance. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Boy, I love this. Draw near in assurance. Again, it's a family picture, family idea. True heart means sincere, real. I can confidently draw near to God. What this literally means in Greek is having a zeal to be near God. For example, you're married or you're in love with someone. You want to be near that person, don't you? That's the idea here. It's a passion. I want to be near my God. I can draw near in full assurance. He is my, that he wants me. And I can do that with a sincere heart, real, not fake. And I know, I love the next phrase, full assurance. You know what that means in Greek? It means you have a source supply of, like, let's say it's well. And, you, and every time you go to that well, there's water. Never runs out. Never runs out. Jesus put it this way, quote, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. That's the Savior. You trust him. That's what God available to you. River of living water. It's yours. It's available to you. Your supply source will never dry up. Just go to it. Two weeks ago, I went into the bathroom to take a shower, and I turned the hot water on. And guess what I got? Nothing. I had to call Donnie Curlin and say, what do I do? That's how stupid I am, but I'm proud of it. We had no hot water on that half of the house. It's a weird feeling. I don't want to worry about that with Jesus. <coughs> Every time I need him, I got all I need. All I need. Full assurance. Full supply. Heart sprinkled clean. That means no guilt. No guilt. The Bible tells me God saves me and remembers my sins. No more. Satan remembers them. God doesn't. He forgets them. He removes them as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. He's not holding them over my head. He's not beating me up with them. Jesus paid for those. I don't have to have that guilt. Christ took it. Secondly, there, hold fast our hope. My favorite word in the Bible, let me say it before, describe being a Christian. Hope. Here's what it means in Greek. Confident expectation. We use hope in a lot of ways. <coughs> I hope if I jump off this stage, I won't break my ankle. Guess what? Leading hope as I will. My ankle weak. They've been broken. If I jump off the stage, I'm probably going to break my sprain it. In Greek, this means confident expectation. I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed on him against that day. I don't have to wish. I don't have to think. I know. Yes, that's what I hold on to. But here's the idea. It says, hold on without wavering. I love this. The idea of without wavering means you don't get off balance. You don't get off keel. You don't slant one way. You're straight on. True. Without wavering. Two, two ideas with holding fast. Beautiful picture. Paul uses it in Philippians as well. It means you hold on, you grip something, you're holding on to it with a death grip. Holding fast, but you're also holding it forth. Why are we on the planet? We are followers of Christ. Learn to follow. Disciple. Make other disciples. Why we, we hold fast? That's called discipleship. I bring somebody else along. So that when I'm not holding on anymore and I've gone on to heaven, what can they do? They grab somebody else and bring I hold fast. I hold forth. Because in time, my generation gone. My daughter, her generation, her daughter's down here dancing. Lord, that, that generation needs what we all do, don't we? So I pass it on to that generation. Passes it on to the next generation. Till Jesus back. We hold fast. Next thing, consider one another. 
in love. Consider one another in love. Look at verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Here's our theme verse. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. And here is what sum this up. Consider one another. And in Greek, here's what consider one another means. This sums up everything we've talked about. To consider one another means I look at you. I think about you. I focus on you. I pray for you. I joked about earlier, you praying for me, how desperately I need that. That's what it means. We come together as a body of Christ because when we consider one another. I look at you, Daryl here, Daryl and I are neighbors. I look at Dar- I'll look at Daryl and say, what can I do that will encourage, exhort, that's what the word means, that will encourage Daryl today. What is it that I can do? That's why I do this, but the gift God's given is what he wants to do, is to open the word of God, exhort others. But you may do it by something as simple as going up to someone you know is hurting, saying, I want to know, I'm praying for you. And then, by the way, pray for them. Do it. Something simple like that. Or something simple like, I'll pick your child up for you. What can I do? We've, I've had, Mary and I have had so many people ask, to, what do you do to help you? That means I've got email, letter, phone, text, a series. More than you'll ever know. We consider. Now, notice how this works. This is, you consider one another to stimulate each other loving works. That's what it says literally. In other words, it's intentional. That I look at you, and you look at me, we focus on, we consider one another, and here's the goal. We stir. That's literally what it means. Stir up or to motivate you to then go out and in our midst to do things that are loving, literal love act. For example, the last night Jesus was on earth, he's preparing the disciples in the upper room for him to leave. The passage begins this way. Jesus knowing that his hour had come. What's the very next thing? He got down on his hands and knees wash their feet. He gave them a mental image they would never forget that the Son of God washed my feet when he knew he was going to die the next day. And he said, now I've done this. I, your Lord and Master, do likewise. You realize in that very same meeting, prior to getting down and washing, they will argue each other who would have the greatest kingdom. Jesus said to be the guys I've chosen. But he gets down and washes their feet. Sometimes you may not be able to do something, but then sometimes you can. A physical act that says to that person, I care about you. I care about you. How can I consider one another? Stir up. Now notice, how do you do it? There's two things. Notice verse 25. Number one, again, our theme verse, we assemble together. We assemble together. Tremendous theologian, John Stott, once said, and John Stott's written amazing. In one of his books, he said this, I pray about, he's talking about his reader. Pray that my re- readers are never one of those, quote, let me pair. He said, I, I, I pray that my readers are not dangerous, searched Christians. Because the New Testament knows. That's why we began this. You don't, you're not saved because you go. If you are saved, why? This is how it's out. It's planned. This is how it's done in and through local church. Consider one another. How do we do it? Come together. We worship together. We serve one another. Then we go out and we do the same thing in our world. The other thing is we are in the process as we exhort one another. I love the, the word exhort right here in this verse. It's the exact same, <coughs> pardon me, it's the exact same word in the New Testament. Jesus described the Holy Spirit. It's called the comfort. It's the same word. It means the one who comes alongside to help in time need. The comfort to exhort one. Come alongside to help in time of need. And notice the other thing he says in verse 25. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some. What's the next word? But, my favorite word in the Bible, and you've heard me say that many times. Here's why. He's making an emphatic point. Here's what he's saying. Just coming is not enough. You got to come, but you got to exhort. You see that? You don't just come to the assembly. You come to the assembly with the mindset, I'm going to do something for other people. It's not about me. Talk about using, again, my example with Daryl. I'm looking at Daryl and saying, what can I do for him? Well, Daryl's looking at other people and saying, what can I do for them? You see how it works? Because it's a body taking care of itself. You exhort. 
one another. You reach out. You're not fully obedient to God if you don't. You exhort. You reach out. So you got assurance. You got hope. You got love. Now look at number three on your handout. We wrap up. The lessons for a church member. Number one, it's okay to be a baby in Christ. Now hang with me here. This is really important. It's okay to be a baby in Christ. In other words, let's say you just got saved. Well, you're a baby in Christ. You're immature. Now please look here. This is something killing in America. It's not okay to stay a baby. It's not okay to stay a baby. 